Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of The Spread, Exploring the Creative Side of Sports by Butter Studio. I'm your host, Carrie Sikender, founder of Butter. We are a creative studio that spurs growth and shifts culture through design. And I'm super excited to be here with Matthew Barrett, founder of one of my favorite organizations that melds together sport and art, Goal Click. Also a great friend and very fun person to chat with. So you are all in for a treat. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. And what a great introduction. I'm very pleased to be your first guest and hopefully I can deliver on those kind words. Fantastic. Well, let's dive right in. So first, I would love to hear just a bit about Goal Click. So can you tell us what it is? For sure. Goal Click is an organization that I founded almost a decade ago now, and we are a global documentary storytelling organization. What does that actually mean? It means that quite simply, we find people from all over the world and we get them to tell their own stories about their lives, their teams, their communities, all connected to sports, mainly connected to football. Football is what we have been doing for our entire history, but we are starting to branch out into other sports. And ultimately, we're focused on first-person perspectives. It's not about sending someone into someone's life to capture their story. It's about giving the freedom, the power, the control to people themselves to tell their own story as they see it. So yeah, that in short is what GoalClick seeks to do. I love it. And the concept is just so cool and so different from a lot of what is out there in sports media. I mean, of course, we have social media and everyone's telling their first person story now, but what you're doing with GoalClick is so cool and I just love the concept. Can you tell us how you came up with it? So I know you've been a big football fan forever and have played forever, but how did you come up with this idea? Well, just also to kind of lean on slightly what you said in response to my first answer. Yeah, obviously there is never been a better time for people to tell their own stories in terms of what media is available to people to broadcast the world. I think where we try and create a niche for ourselves is in taking what is user-generated content, but turning it into a coherent documentary-style narrative. So there's quite an element of curation that we do, even if we're not the ones creating. So I think that's where we see our sweet spot in the world. And obviously that involves being very patient and working with people in a very deep and meaningful way, but obviously knowing when the right moment is to let them you know, tell their own story. In terms of how it came about, it's funny. I think that obviously I'm a football fan and I played football all my life, but I think sometimes people think that I'm a bigger football fan than I am. <laughs> I'm increasingly less bothered about what goes on on football fields, if that makes sense, and increasingly interested, and always have been, in what happens related to football off the field and people's stories and journeys to get to the field. So yes, of course, I have a natural love of sport and football, but it's probably a little bit different to what a traditional football fan might look like. I would probably describe myself as being the least die hard in terms of a football fan of all of my friendship group. In terms of actually answering your question and where it all came from, I think the origin story that I like to tell is that when I was at university, which is a little bit longer ago than I want it to be now, 
I was studying history and mainly focusing on European history in the early 20th century with a particular love of the Second World War. And then off, well, outside of academics, I was playing and organising a lot of sport, particularly football, but also different sports. And a professor of mine in my second year said to me, have you considered pushing these two interests together? To which I replied, no, I had not thought about that, but maybe I should. And so that started me down a path of looking at sport as a bit of an entry point into history, politics, culture, society, warfare. I wrote a thesis on sport and the British Army in the Second World War. I started getting interested in, you know, where politics and conflict met sport around the world. And so I think I was an idea and a concept in search of an execution, if that makes sense. And then, yeah, in 2013, myself and my co-founder, Ed, who I worked with at the time, stumbled across this idea. Well, he was very much getting into his analogue film photography. And I think between us realised that this was a great way of bringing to life stories of people all around the world. And yeah, kind of really leapt on it as a way to tell the kind of stories that I in particular was really interested in telling. There's no accident that some of the first stories from Gold Click came from places like Iraq and Sierra Leone and Rwanda, places with interesting histories and politics where sport could shine a light. So yeah, that's the origin story. That is so cool. I didn't know that and I've known you for a while and this is this is a very fun thing really? coming out of this podcast interview. Yeah, I had no idea that's how you started it. And I love that. That's also how I, I mean, I also think about sports in a broader lens of how it really connects to culture and shapes people's behaviors and experiences and beliefs and what they follow and all these things. And it's really interesting to hear how you started Goal Click with merging your two interests, academic and kind of social or outside of the academic. Was there something about football specifically that was calling to you when you started it? It's an interesting question because football is clearly the dominant force in sport around the world. And if we were going to choose one sport, it was always going to be football because it really is in every single corner. It really genuinely is the universal language. Like that's not a corny phrase. Like it genuinely is the only thing that does what it can do. So I think once we got on this path, it quickly was clear that football was the way to do it. We're obviously interested in branching into other sports and other sports have different roles and different stories connected to them around the world. But it was always going to be football from a universality perspective. And yeah, it's the one sport that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it generally is found everywhere. So I don't think there was necessarily a very specific absolute reason why it had to be football. It was just clearly the obvious route to go down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. And so... Digging a bit deeper into Goal Click, how do you decide which stories and perspectives to feature and what kind of impact do you hope to have on your audience with them? I mean, fundamentally, everyone has a story. And ultimately, I think almost anyone can be part of Goal Click. I think where, though, we tend to lean towards is people who haven't necessarily had the opportunity to tell their story before people who haven't necessarily had the platform, quite often that then goes hand in hand with, I'm not sure whether the right word is underdog, but people who have a more interesting backstory and potentially some challenges and barriers in their path. 
which obviously makes for potentially a more interesting story and how someone has got to where they've got to. So we tend to then work with lots of people who may have been marginalised or discriminated against or just simply not given the platform to tell their story. So I don't think there's necessarily a set of criteria that we go through to find our storytellers. Ultimately, they need to be communicative, enthusiastic, reliable, maybe a bit creative, you know, interested in telling their story in a slightly different way. And yeah, we tend to know a gold click storyteller when we see it, (laughs) but Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. no set of fixed criteria that rules someone in or out. Ultimately, someone wants to go on this journey with us and they have an interesting story to tell and maybe not much room to tell it previously. That often defines a great gold click storyteller. Mm -hmm. And you've had so many amazing stories on gold click from all over the world, from very remote villages to top tier professional teams. Can you tell us about one that is particularly memorable for you? Wow, one out of almost 500 that we've done so far. (laughs) Let's start with one. So let's start with one. Let's start with one. I think also it's a good moment to also kind of make clear how we tell these stories because that comes into it. Yes, We started with disposable analog cameras as our first way of telling stories. So ultimately we give everyone who's part of Gold Click a disposable analog camera and allow them to capture their community life and team around them. Alongside that, we also get them to write their own story. Obviously, you know, pairing those together, the photos and the words is a very powerful combination. And then over the last few years, we've started broadening into other formats. So video and film and audio and, you know, sometimes even digital photography. And we do a lot of exhibitions and we're starting to explore more creative forms of expression from poetry to spoken words. But ultimately, we started and we continue to focus on photography and particular analog photography. And so I really do think the story that stands out, it always will, is our first ever story from Sierra Leone, from the National Amputee Football Association. And we found Pastor Abraham Bangura, church minister, football coach, someone that has lost part of his hand to a grenade in the Civil War in Sierra Leone. And he was really exemplifies what Gold Click is all about. We sent him a camera in 2013, we waited, we received the camera back. The photos were just unbelievable and breathtaking and they remain some of the best photos we've ever had as part of the project. And so it will always mean a lot, that camera, because I do sometimes wonder, would GoldClick even exist if that hadn't been our first story? Who knows? (laughs) You know, if the first camera had been a dud, would we have decided to continue? But the photos were so incredible and the story was so powerful of... Amputee footballers, often victims of the civil war, reintegrating into society through football, you know, it really set us on our way. So it will always remain a very important story to us, even if there have been others which, you know, stand out in their own way and are very important to us from a visual or from a written perspective. Sierra Leone will always remain important to us. Mm hmm. Yeah, I can imagine getting that camera back and seeing the footage and being in awe of it and feeling like, wow, okay, I think we're on to something here. That must have been really exciting. Exactly. Yeah. So on that note, starting with disposable cameras, I mean, from a logistics perspective, I can only imagine how difficult it might be to be shipping these and getting them back all over the world. But how has that shaped the organization and shaped what you're all about? 
It's a great question. And yes, the logistics of disposable cameras and shipping them and receiving them around the world is not for the faint hearted. And <laughs> I'm very good friends with my local post offices and my DHL delivery driver. So yeah, over the years, that's been an ongoing challenge, as are the postal services of each nation in the world and their respective efficiency. But I think, to be honest, the ways in which it's shaped it primarily have been probably threefold. So the first one is that by the very nature of the tool, everyone is equal. And I think that's quite important for GoalClick that everyone, no matter who they are, whether they're a refugee in Jordan or an elite player with the US Women's National Team, you have the same tool and the same start point. It's pretty amazing and pretty egalitarian to approach something that way when actually most media isn't very equal because it depends on the quality of the technology that you have. I think the second point is my personal favourite in terms of how it's shaped GoalClick is that we encourage everyone to be very intentional and patient and deliberate with what they are capturing. So I think if you had only smartphones, I think it would be a little bit more... I don't know whether the word's frivolous, but it might not be quite as intentional in terms of having a limited amount, a scarcity of photos to take. So I think it generally encourages everyone who's part of Gold Click to think carefully about what they want to show. And I think that extends into other formats that we work with, like that core principle of being intentional and taking your time and being purposeful is something that is really important to us. And I think the third element I guess it's more that we're different. You know, the aesthetic is very different. We're quite unique as an organisation, and that's because all of our storytellers are quite unique. You know, there's almost sometimes no commonality between what kind of stories we tell, apart from the fact that we let people do it themselves. You know, we go from elite players to fans to grassroots coaches to refugees to people in conflict zones. You know, there isn't really, like... A massive connecting thread often but I think that the way in which we've gone about things and our method and disposable cameras are a big part of that has bred that kind of organization and that kind of creativity so yeah that's how I think disposables have led to who we are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah and we talked about this at the beginning a little bit about the landscape of technology and social media but I'm curious from your perspective how do you think technology is changing the way that we experience or engage with sports media, both as participants and as fans. And as you said, you've expanded into other media with GoalClick. And I'm curious, kind of, is that a natural progression of the organization or is it related to the state of the world or how technology is changing? Whew. I think about this a lot because... Clearly, there is going to be more and more ways of people being able to tell their story. Now, even five years ago, 10 years ago, there was a lot less opportunity for people to tell their story and capture the world around them. And I don't think the whole world is there yet, but it's moving that way. And I think clearly there's going to be new ways of being able to tell your story in years to come. I think what's quite important for Gold Click and what insulates us from any potential things that might challenge our entire existence <laughs> is that it almost doesn't matter what the technology is or what the format is. It's the method that is the most important thing. So we're up for seeing where things go on a technological front and just going with it. I'm sure we'll come on to AI in due course, but 
I'm listening to a lot of fear at the moment from the creative industries that you know, people are going to be relatively obsolete in their roles. I don't think we are challenged by that because ultimately, no matter how good the technology comes, there's a difference between going for something that is like perfect versus something that is real and raw. And we actually deliberately don't go after things that look too good <laughs> or look perfect. Like we're not interested in making something, you know, better in inverted quotes. For us, the focus will always be on whatever the technology is, whatever the format is, how can we get the person themselves to use it, capture it and show the world their own story. So yeah, that's just one reflection on that question. Mm-hmm. Is that sufficient? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe one day you'll be interviewing AI about their football teams, but we're not there yet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we're not there yet. So that leads me into my next question. It's great to hear that technology is kind of irrelevant to what you're doing with GoalClick, and if anything could be supportive in helping you expand to other modalities that you use to tell these stories. But what would you say have been the biggest challenges or obstacles that you've faced other than shipping and logistics that we already covered? So I often say that GoalClick's best attribute is that we work directly with real human beings. GoalClick's worst attribute and biggest challenge is that we work with real human beings. So, you know, people are people and they can be unpredictable. And that is baked into the DNA of Gold Click. It's what makes it so wonderful that we're dealing with real humans who are full of surprises and are full of incredible stories. But on the flip side, you know, it can definitely be a challenge to keep people focused, engaged, and ultimately, you know, deliver a great story. So a lot of time on Gold Click is spent in managing our storytellers you know, from briefing them to inspiring them, to guiding them, to liaising with them, to curating what they do, to publishing, obviously, in the end. You know, a huge amount of our time is spent managing those storytellers through the process. It doesn't just happen. (laughs) It's really not as simple as just like throwing someone a camera or, you know, and expecting a really well-crafted story to emerge. So, yeah, human beings are both the best part and potentially the most challenging part of Gold Click. I think, you know, from a personal perspective, I've created Gold Click in a certain way. And that has involved, you know, bootstrapping it, not taking on kind of funding in any way. Obviously, that means that things have had to go slowly at times, especially when you throw a pandemic into the equation. And so it has really taken a long time to get Gold Click to where it is today, which is now a team of nine people. And, you know, is now on a bit of a rocket ship in terms of how we're growing and evolving. But I would definitely say that it's been a long and patient process, kind of ultimately, you know, doing it myself. My co-founder, Ed, kind of is still involved as an advisor, but has not worked day-to-day on GoldClick since 2016. So kind of growing it essentially by myself, slowly and steadily, has been a real challenge at times. So yeah. I'm sure there's things I do differently in hindsight, but also, you know, there's a lot of pride involved in getting the organization to where it is now, you know, without necessarily taking on any external capital or, you know, having huge amounts of 
peer support. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And it's no surprise to me that it's on a rocket ship now, knowing you. And I'm really excited to see where it continues to go. So kind of with that, what does success look like to you? How do you measure it? There's just so many pieces of it. It's There's the human element of building these relationships with your storytellers. There's the viewers and how you impact the people who see the work. There's building the team and the financial success and growing the organization. So curious to hear, in from your point of view, how do you measure the impact and what does success mean to you? I feel like you've kind of answered the question there. In, <laughs> in the question, you won't be surprised by much of what I'm about to say. But yeah, look, first and foremost, are we creating interesting stories? Are the storytellers happy with what comes out and the organizations they often represent? Does it feel like we're creating something new in the world? Is it having people maybe not change their minds, but be challenged in some way in terms of what they see and read? But then obviously from a you know financial business perspective, are we keeping the lights on? And are we bringing on board great partners? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, we are very lucky to work with some of the biggest and most well-renowned organizations in the world, particularly in the football industry, you know, from the likes of Premier League to the FA to Adidas, we really are working with incredible organizations who are you know, commissioning us to create series with them in a gold click style. So, you know, bringing on board great partners and forging those relationships is a massive measure of success. How gold click operates is that we do a certain amount of paid for commissions, which is probably about a third of our output. And that then funds the rest of our content, which we broadly call Gold Click Originals or pro bono series that we do. So the work we do with the UNHCR around refugee storytelling, you know, it's all ultimately funded by us. And we can do that and we can devote so many resources to it because we do you know, partnerships with other commercial organizations. So yeah, I think if we get this equilibrium right, that suggests we're being successful because we really wouldn't want just to be an organization that is only doing kind of paid commissions. The impactful work we do with charities and NGOs and people all around the world that we ultimately fund is vital because it's just vital to everything that we do. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about how we would measure it. Not sure we currently have like necessarily huge spreadsheets of metrics that we're trying to hit, but we're getting there. Well, that's a nice place to be, not being tied to certain metrics that you're trying to hit and having bootstrapped it and being able to creatively direct the organization 100% still is awesome. We actually don't really sell our audience. I know that sounds a little bit weird, but we don't have a huge audience on our own channels. It's a decent sized audience and they're very important to us and the people who are engaged with Gold Click are generally a very active and influential group of people. But in terms of how we position ourselves, our expertise is in finding storytellers, managing storytellers, and curating the content in a certain way. So in a way, we're like part production, part network, part platform, but we actually don't really, you know, sell our audience. Like that's almost a bit of a bonus we're kind of way more 
focused on finding the right people and bringing the story out of them. That's kind of the offer we kind of take to the industry. We don't kind of bring audience numbers as part of our work. Right, right. That makes sense. And so I'd love to hear a bit more about one partnership that you've done that was particularly impactful for GoClick. You've worked with all these great organizations. Is there one you can tell us a bit more about what the output of that partnership looked like? Sure. I think I'll flag two because I think it will show the two different sides of GoClick. So obviously the first one that I would probably want to mention is the work with UNHCR, where we have worked with around about 100 refugees, asylum seekers and internally displaced persons around the world to have them tell the story of their lives, both past and present, and how football is impacting them now. And it's an incredibly impactful series of stories, working with people who definitely don't often have the chance to have their voices heard. So that's something that on an ongoing basis is really important to us. On the kind of other side of things, I would say that I think one of those series that really brought to life what Goldclick can do is our work with EE, which is a UK telecoms brand who are sponsor of the four home nation FAs, so England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. And with them, we did a series in 2022 where we found seven grassroots teams for women and non-binary persons. And we ultimately got them to document their football lives and off the misogyny that they have encountered along the way. Um, it was part of E's Hope United campaign, which is about you know, tackling misogyny online and kind of on the football field. And yeah, it was just a really great example of finding seven really inspirational teams with two storytellers from each and really diving deeply into their experiences, showing it from a photography, written and video perspective. So yeah, and it, you know, these are not people who have necessarily had much of a platform before to tell their story and of their experiences. And I think being able to project these stories way beyond just our audience is a very meaningful and important kind of series that we do. The other one I would probably speak about is our work in Qatar. Obviously, so much has been said and written about Qatar ahead of the World Cup in 2022. We actually did a lot of work in the country, but in a very different way to how most organisations worked in the country. We told all of our stories from the perspective of people who live and work in the country, the majority being women and many, many different nationalities, both Qatari and non-Qatari, from workers to students to artists to coaches. And yet it just gave a very, very, very different perspective on the country ahead of the World Cup. You know, it's almost like we just avoided the kind of the extremes of the debate and the common narratives around the country and saw just this huge vacuum where people were talking about people who live there and not actually hearing from people who do live there. That was a very, very impactful series and definitely completely different to what anyone else was doing around that tournament. Yeah, I think those are both great examples and really showcase how goal click has this niche that's not being captured in other areas within how sports is being covered or journalism or the arts. It's really a special niche. Kind of going back to the business side, because it's such a creative organization, how do you balance both the creative and the business aspects of running GoalClick? I mean, I do see it as a bit of a virtuous circle. 
I don't think we can kind of end up doing one without the other. You know, in a way, the more creative we are and the more we stand out and the more impactful we are and the more interesting we are, that feeds ultimately people who then want to work with us and fundamentally pay us money to do what we do. And then the more partners we have, the more resources we have to focus on being creative and being impactful. So you enter that kind of virtuous circle where they're kind of one and the same. I think one of the best things about Gold Click, in my opinion, is that we don't need to change how we work when we work with the most commercial organizations or when we work with the least commercial organizations. Like how we operate with, you know, an NGO working in the community in rural Ghana is exactly the same as how we work with, you know, a brand like Adidas. So I don't know whether that was by accident or design, but we've stumbled into a situation where the more we are like Gold Click, the more people want to work with us. If you want a more traditional production way of working, then we're probably not for you because like one of the things we say most first to most people we work with is you have to be aware that these are real human beings and it will take longer and there will be unpredictability along the way. But if you're willing to give up some level of control, you can get some really different and some really amazing stories. So yeah, I think ultimately I see them as one of the same and not as separate spheres. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, now I have a few questions that are a bit more philosophical, more high level, more existential around sports and creativity. I love an existential so as question. Someone who, <laughs> as someone who has dedicated the past 10 years to building an organization in this realm, I'm just very curious to get your personal thoughts on a few questions. So first, how do you think sports can inspire creativity in other areas of life? So something that I think about when I think about this question is, you know, people talk about or you hear about how people who grew up playing sports become more successful leaders or collaborators. They do really well in a work environment. They become CEOs and things like that. But, you know, what about creativity in sports do you think translates to other areas of life? I will answer this question in a slightly different way, but I'll get round to the point in the end. When I look back at a lot of my own sporting experiences, whether that be just kind of being a regular part of a team or being a captain or organising a team, I think that, again, I come back to what I said earlier, you're dealing with human beings who are all very different and all respond in very different ways. And some people to get the best out of them might need a hand on the shoulder and other people might need, you know, more direct action. (laughs) And I think that what my experience of sport has been is to often work out that to get the best out of somebody, there's no script. (laughs) You have to kind of understand who that person is, how they tick and be really flexible. And I think that Again, one of the things that I'm most proud of about Gold Click is that we're pretty flexible and you know, we try and find creative ways to come up with a solution. And, and that isn't that far away from getting the best out of players on a, on a football field or any other sporting field. Mm-hmm. So I do think there is a bit of a line between you know, people who can get the best out of a team 
on a sports field with people who can get the best out of a team from a business perspective. Obviously, in Gold Click's case, the subject matters are relatively similar because we're talking about sport. But I think that that's just a happy accident. I think that this can be something that is reflected in many, many other industries. So yeah, I think a lot about that. I mean, I spent, to be honest, I spent way too much time in my younger life trying to cajole people into playing, even just getting them to a field. And then when they're there, trying to get them to kind of, you know, suspend their individualism or ego and work for a bit more of a common cause. So I actually do think that has had quite a bit of an impact on how I've then tried to run Goal Click and how I treat the people who I work with. And most importantly, how we treat the storytellers that we work with, because everyone is so different and everyone's brain works totally differently. And some people are super creative and don't want any plan. And other people want to write everything out like line by line to make sure they're on track. So yeah, there's just different ways of working with people, I think. And I'm very much a believer that people who grew up in that sporting environment can find ways to bring the best out of other people and collaborate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think collaboration is so key to creativity. And that's a big overlap that I see within sports and people who grew up playing team sports, especially because two brains or multiple brains are better than one. And when you start building things together, or working together on anything, whether it's a creative project or building a business or making a fancy dinner, it becomes more interesting and the result is more creative. Totally. The speed at which you can operate is exponential as well. Like it's not one plus one equals two. It's actually like one plus one is actually more, you know, like four, because you kind of, you exponentially grow your capabilities. And so one of the things that I'm definitely trying to do in Gold Click right now is think about how can we, you know, move faster by collaborating. I think for a long time, lots of tasks were done by just one person. Whereas now when you do two or three people, everything moves so much quicker. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, all right, a future, future leaning question. How do you see the relationship between sports and creativity evolving in the coming years? Hmm. I think it will go in two directions. I think there will be, you know, as technology evolves, there will be one path which wants to you know, focus on quality and speed and creative ways in doing these things <laughs> and you know making really you know immersive impressive polished kind of and I guess I'm talking more about like specifically the media side of sport rather than like on the pitch mm -hmm. and then I think the other track will be a complete move away from that <laughs> towards a slower more real more raw version of sports media and creativity which I think is where we're at. And I think that people will be desperate for meaningful connection and, you know, heightening like real experiences and hearing from real people and kind of stripping things back down to basics. And so, yeah, I definitely see this divergence happening where sport at one level and probably at the highest level is like on one path and then sport on kind of maybe more lower levels is like distancing itself from that it's a big question is i find it quite hard to answer to be honest but i guess what i'm trying to say is that like 
some people will see like the technology as a way to like create things that are like not real, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, how can I harness these tools in order to create something so, you know, amazing and wondrous, but doesn't actually exist? I think other people will, you know, say in the face of that, let's go right down to basics again and like prioritize the human touch. So yeah, I think that people will go in one of two directions on that. And the creative approach will either be in, you know, doing amazing, you know, unbelievable things. And then the other part will be doing amazing, very believable things. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thanks for bearing with me through my hard to answer questions. To, <laughs> to wrap us up, I would love to hear a little bit more about what's next for Goal Click. So do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on that you could tell us a little bit about? Absolutely. So I think, first of all, Goal Click is continuing to evolve in a few different directions. We are starting to focus more on multi-sport series or other sports series. So there are a few projects coming which touch on some other sports. We obviously continue to experiment with different formats. And so hopefully there'll be more and more video as part of our output. But to be honest, the two kind of looming areas for us are the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand in July, August 2023. We will be doing a series focused on elite women's football um, for that. And we hope to have some exhibitions out in Australia during the tournament. But to be honest, the big thing for GoalClick is switching our focus to North and Central America and the CONCACAF region ahead of the 2026 Men's World Cup, because, you know, what an opportunity for storytelling in a part of the world that is so ready for the explosion of football. And so we are definitely pivoting a little more towards that region. I think up to now, we've been largely a European and Middle Eastern and Asian focused organization. I think that North America, Central America, Caribbean, South America are becoming more and more influential in our thinking. And yeah, we've got some projects brewing for that already, including one for the CONCACAF Gold Cup, which obviously takes place this summer as well. So yeah, there's a lot coming and we'll obviously be continuing with our refugee work. There'll be plenty more things brewing for 2024, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to following along as all of it comes out. What advice do you have for our listeners who are interested in exploring the intersection of sports and creativity? My advice. I have a lot of advice <laughs> if people mm -hmm. want it. I think that, and maybe it's not specifically around creativity, but it kind of is, is that I think it's important just to start. I didn't really have much figured out when I started sending out a couple of disposable cameras to random parts of the world. I certainly didn't think it would be my full-time job with a staff of nine people. And I think that sometimes people can let the lack of a clear end point prohibit them from starting. There is no way that this creative organisation would have been started if I'd have waited around for the perfect solution or the perfect moment or the perfect time or the perfect plan. So I think it's important just to start if you have an idea. And look, it might come to nothing. Fine. But it might come to something. So I always think that just starting with five minutes of work on something 
is the only way you can start. So the best way to explore is to actually explore (laughs) rather than just think about it. And I also think that there's never been a better time with the industry as it is. People are crying out for creative solutions to things. Like I actually, I think there's a lot of space. I feel like before the pandemic, there was a real movement in the sports industry towards more creative approaches. But I feel like it still hasn't quite recovered the momentum of those years. So I think there's plenty of room for people who bring something a little bit different to the space. So just go for it. And also the one thing you definitely need to know is that most people don't know what the hell they're doing. (laughs) And if you think that kind of, if you're unsure of yourself or you think that people who are, you know, succeeding in inverted commas know something you don't that's usually not the case you know ultimately we're all making it up as we go along to the best of our ability and to the best of our knowledge and I think once you start to kind of think like that you know a real healthy disrespect for kind of <laughs> everyone in the world maybe you know I say that in the most positive sense you know once you realize <laughs> that everyone is just kind of making it up as they go along then what's to stop you doing it yeah, I can absolutely say that I'm just learning on the job and I'm just growing and developing. And, you know, having that attitude, I think, is very, very helpful because I think it removes, you know, it doesn't remove the fears and anxieties, but it allows you to kind of you know, welcome them in and treat them as just a very normal part of, of the creative process. So, yeah, hopefully that's in some way useful to know. I couldn't agree more. That might be my favorite answer that you've given us because I 100% agree with getting things out there and also, yeah, just moving forward without being perfect and getting over the imposter syndrome and just getting it out there because otherwise you'll never know what it could become. So I love that. Thank you. So to wrap us up, I'm taking this from my favorite podcast, The Ezra Klein Show, And he always asks for recommendations at the end. So I would love to hear from you. What are three of your favorite organizations that span the world of sports and creativity? Great question. And I did say I would think about this, but then I forgot to think about it. So I'm going to kind of make it up on the fly. I think (laughs) an organization from the more charitable sector that we work with that really stands out to me is Football Beyond Borders. There are London, Midlands and Manchester-based organisation in the UK. And the freshness of how they present themselves and how they tell the stories of the people that they are impacting, their visual identity, their language, their energy, it's just so refreshing for a charity that is fundamentally an education charity using football. It's quite incredible. Like Everyone should go on and actually like look at how they present themselves and the thought and the creativity that's gone into like giving a really clear brand and voice and identity. I think everyone should aspire to do what they do from a charitable perspective, from anyone's perspective, really. But yeah, I think they do an amazing job in the football space. The second one, a long-term partner of ours is Copper 90. And whilst they've moved in lots of different directions, I think at the heart of what makes Copper 90 so great is that it's fan-focused and they really lean into different ways of telling fan-focused stories. So yeah, they've always been an organisation that we admire because, you know, they did things very, very differently from what had gone before in terms of a football platform. So yeah, there'll always be an organisation we really 
admire. And if they're listening, they should definitely bring back some Derby Days documentary content. <laughs> and then the third organisation is maybe not quite creativity in the traditional sense we think about, but Lewis FC have just done things really differently in the world of football. Obviously, their focus on equality, their focus on equal budgets for the men's and women's teams, just the way they operate is just really inspirational. And I think it is a creative approach to the football industry because the non-creative approach is just business as usual, just to do things the same way it always happens. But they, you know, they take the fight to the sector. You know, they're fighting for equal pay for the FA Cup. They are trying to think differently about the football industry. And to me, that is creativity. So I would say that Lewis FC, from a club perspective, are the organisation that is stand out to me. And I'm a member. You can be a member too if you pay 40 quid a year and you support a really incredible organisation. So that's my shout out to people. Go and become a member today. Great. Well, I love that as an ending because I also think of creativity as spanning every realm of life and thinking about how to run a business more creatively and with equality at the center. I just love that as the ending for our time together today. So thank you so much. This was so fun. I learned so much, even though we've talked so many times. It was such a pleasure. So thank you, Matt. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening to our very first episode. See you next time. <laughs>